Let's pray. Father God, you are so faithful. And whether we see you, whether we hear you, whether we feel your presence or not, I faithfully thank you now that you are always with me. And God, would you, would you comfort me? Would you open my eyes, my ears, my heart when I don't feel you, see you, hear you, know that you are near? And for those this morning that need, need to know that you are present and loving and interested and mighty to save. God, we ask by your spirit, would you do that? We welcome you. Would you fill us with faith? Would you move in that way that only you can? I pray for a new level of assurance and faith in you this morning. Jesus' precious name. Amen. Right. Well, good morning, everybody. How lovely to be here with you. So, yeah, I've been asked to speak on James today, James 2. I think you've had some other preaches on James so far. You've been part of the series, haven't you? Um, One of the things we keep hearing at Perry Street is how um, James was one of the first letters to be written. Have you heard that down here? No, I always think it's interesting. No one ever sort of ever talks to you about how the Bible is ordered. That was never something I, I heard growing up in, in church. Um, and I, I always found it fascinating when I, when I learned. So um, the, new, the New Testament, the letters, um, are Paul's, Paul's letters from Romans sort of onwards are um, ordered in terms of their size. So the big ones go first. <laughs> and the shorter ones come at the end. <laughs> Nothing to do with when they were written. Um, James, obviously, is a letter written by James, <laughs> not Paul. Uh, but James is actually one of the earliest letters to be written um, to the Jewish believers as they were spread um, because of persecution across um, the whole of that bit of the, the East at that time, which I just thought was really interesting. So lots of the thoughts that we have that we can read about in James are, are some of the earliest thoughts that were communicated from Jerusalem out to the believers as they were scattered. So I'm Ruth, hello, it's really lovely to be with you this morning. I've not preached here on a Sunday morning before, um, so thank you for your welcome. Some of you I know, uh, some of you are new faces to me, um, some of you I am Judith's daughter, um, <laughs> and uh, that is how you may know me, which is fine by me. Um, that wouldn't have been fine by me in my teenage years, but um, thankfully <laughs> we're past that now. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have two little girls, um, a young family. We normally worship at Perry Street. Um, you can find them running around um, full of chocolate biscuits and causing riots. Um, and Tim, my husband, is often very busy with techy and musicy and computery things up there as well. 
Um, I'm an elder of the Baptist Church, which is why they've asked me to come and preach to you. And it's, it's lovely to be here on a Sunday morning. So often, um, us elders and trustees, uh, we have our meetings in this building. Um, and I actually, I live just on Greenway, so I'm, I'm just up the road. So I walk to our meetings. So it's very nice to be here on a Sunday and um, see every, the congregation that allows us to use the building for that. So thank you. <laughs> I also am involved in the schools ministry in Billericay and um, we've welcomed Sunnymead School here at Christmas time and at other times um, to come and do some exploring of the Christian faith as well. So yeah, lovely to be here on a Sunday. Thank you. Um, The title for today's talk is Faith That Saves. Um, So it's great Rog brought us that, um, that picture about faith um, and when we look at this James passage today, faith is all over it, um, as Oliver said. And we're going to be thinking not, not just about a faith that we hold on the inside, uh, but a, a faith that, that does a bit more faith and works. So I'm going to read the passage and I would like you, if you can, and this is where you'll see my working in schools hat coming out, could you pay particular attention to the words faith and works? Okay, faith and works. There we go. So we are, we are in James 2, and we're 14 to 26. It will come up on the screen, um, or if you want to look at it yourself, or I will be reading it. Here we go. Actually, let's, let's just pray. People often pray for the speaker, don't they? But, um, but I, think it's, uh, I think it's good to pray for the listeners more than anything. <laughs> so let's pray for you <laughs> as I speak. Dear God, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here. And I pray that they would have ears, not not to hear what I'm saying, but to hear what you are saying, wonderful Lord. I pray that what I say will go beyond um, words and will, will come your spirit into hearts and minds, transforming lives. In your precious name, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Coming and going, it goes blank every so often. Okay. But we don't know why. Okay. I'll just give it an extra little plug in just to check. Well, there has been another report of an issue previously, so. That's fine. We'll work it out. Okay, so James 2 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. 
you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was Rahab, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body, apart from the spirit, is dead, so also faith, apart from works, is dead. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, um, when I read the letters in the New Testament, particularly when I read just like a passage and not the whole thing, I'm often left thinking, what? <laughs> what was that about? And then I have to go back and read it again and again and again, because you get just a little bit of what the writer is, is trying to say to a group of people, don't you? So we, we focused on the words faith and works. Um, and I wonder if you heard how many times they came up. It's clearly a, a key bit in this passage, isn't it? Faith and works. But that's a bit, it's a bit strange, isn't it? Because we know that we're not justified or saved by our works, are we? We, we know that, we're told that. That lives in our hearts. We're justified by faith alone, aren't we? And, and we see that Paul says that in, in a few of his letters. Um, so is, is there a contradiction here? Are James and Paul having an argument on letters? Well, no. As we know, James came first. Um, so he gets in there first. <laughs> and then what, what Paul writes later to some of the other churches um, is talking about a different, it's talking about a different kind of faith than James. James is talking about faith that saves and faith and works coming together. We're not talking about justifying faith and how we come to Christ. We don't come to Christ with our works. He doesn't accept us by our works. So we know that and that's good. (laughs) Have you ever um, had somebody say to you, well, you have a faith, don't you? What's that all about? (laughs) You're religious. Tell me about that. So I just wonder, would you mind talking to the person next to you or behind you or in front of you about what, what, is, what is your faith? If somebody said to you, tell, tell me about your faith, what would you say? Would you mind doing that? Okay. <clears throat> I'm, I'm wondering if you're um, if you're going to be easier to bring back together than a, than two classes of year fives or uh, <laughs> or not. No, it's definitely grown ups that keep talking. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so the question: You have a faith. Tell me about it. What what is that? Um, can you tell me about it? What, what did you say? What did you share with each other? Can you can you shout some of it out to me? Is that all right? <laughs> what did you say? What's your what's your faith? A journey, a journey. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Kim. Yeah, yeah. Personal. Yeah. Strength. Strength. Yeah. Wonderful. Comfort. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Anything else? I don't really know any other because I was brought up 
from a baby. Mm. And to where I turn, there's someone in my family that yeah. if you forget to bring it back, yeah. or if I've got a problem, they'll say, oh, you know, what do you think? You just pray. That's right. So yeah. I'm very fortunate yeah. to respect everybody in the group. Yeah, a family faith, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so much to be thankful for with that, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> Focuses our mind, doesn't it, on, um, on, on the faith and the faith that, that we hold. So James starts with a question in verse 14. What good is it if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And then he goes on to give an example. In the, in the uh, section before our passage, um, which would have been the last talk that you had, James, well, the one before, the one on James. James was talking about mercy, um, and mercy triumphs over judgment. Do you remember that? So the, the example that he gives here um, is about a, a merciful work. Um, and, and we can see that James is prompting us to consider the nature of, of true saving faith. It is not enough to know merely that Jesus existed, It's not enough to even know the things that he taught or that he did miracles. True saving faith is when we put our trust in the person of Jesus for forgiveness of sins, a relationship with the Father and the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. I I found this um, illustration that I, I really liked and let me read it to you now. I can go to the airport and recognise the fact that there is an aeroplane in front of me. I can acknowledge the fact that the aeroplane and its pilot can hurtle down the runway and leap into the air for sustained flights. This was the bit where this is definitely not something I knew. I can study the principles of aeronautics and comprehend that when air rushes over a curved surface, it creates lift, which thus enables the aeroplane to fly. But I must trust the aeroplane and its pilot, board the aircraft, take my seat and ride the airplane in order to demonstrate my faith in it. A bare knowledge of Christ and his claims is insufficient for salvation. We must trust that he is the only way to be saved from our sin and the only one who can give eternal life. That's saving faith, isn't it? And that's the kind of faith that James is inspiring us believers towards. For James, saving faith is a faith that evidences itself as a living faith, expressed not simply in prayer, but in acts of mercy, and indeed other acts, as the need arises. You've gone very quiet. Are you okay? Yeah, lovely. Just listening. (laughs) And that leads us on to verse 17, which is, um, I think, one of several really key verses in this passage. Um, So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. There we go. We've got a dead faith described there. In verse 20, we've got a faith described as useless or phony. In verse 26, we've got it described as dead again. Um, A dead, phony, counterfeit faith is the opposite of a saving faith. And I I think perhaps um, what James is doing here is... is, um, here we are flipping in and out. <laughs> it's like it's having a micro sleep. <laughs> what James is doing is 
um, showing us what their counterfeit version of faith is like so that we begin to know what the genuine saving faith article looks like in our own lives. Um, There's an often quoted, um, I've heard it in many sermons, bit from a book, a book called Reckless Faith uh, by John MacArthur, and it's talking about... um, about counterfeit money, and it says that US federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying the counterfeits. They study the genuine bills until they master the look of the real thing. And then when they see the bogus money, they recognise it. And this is what James is doing here. He goes on to point out to us Abraham and Rahab and what their genuine saving faith look like so that we learn to discern from scripture and, and from those around us the real deal and not, not counterfeit faith. And that's not about pointing it out in others, is it? It's about learning ourselves. Where, where, where am I lacking in my trust? Where am I lacking in believing that God is going to do something here? Have a look at this screen. I, I wonder... Which of these two appeals to you more? Is faith merely a personal comfort, a nice thought when bad things happen? Is it locked away in a box on the inside to be kept safe? Or, perhaps, the outworking of faith shining out Is that where faith finds its full expression, when we let it out of its nice safe box and we let God do some of the works that he might choose to do through us? Another of the key verses that we see is verse 22. It says, you see that faith was active, it's talking about Abraham, along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. We see faith and works working together, don't we, here? They're like old friends. Faith reaching maturity when expressed through obedience. (coughs) How many times have you read a Bible story and thought, why did it happen like that? Why on earth? Why did Jonah have to get into the belly of a whale or a big fish for three days? <laughs> Why could God not just hoik him back? <laughs> Why did Daniel have to go and stand in a fire? <laughs> Couldn't God have just done it this way? Why did Jesus spit in the mud, make a paste, wipe it on the eyes of a blind man so he could see, when in other cases he could just see through Jesus just saying the words. Why <laughs> did it happen like that? Tell me it's not just me that thinks, <laughs> thinks these things. <laughs> it's God's way, isn't it? It's God's way. He gives us a gift of faith and then he allows us opportunities to work that out. Faith is expressed through obedience. Relationship is built through that shared experience with God of walking through those things together in obedience with him. There's many times in my own life where I've asked that question, why, God, are you doing it that way? And the wonderful thing when we have scripture is we can look back over a whole person's life story, can't we? We can see the end of of 
the story from the beginning. In our own lives, it's very different. We're walking it out day by day, aren't we? And we, we have to use scripture and we have to use each other's encouragement to know that God is working it out for the good of those who love him. That's not always easy. <laughs> um, I love the uh, passion translation of the Bible. I find it really um, renewing and inspiring. And verse 22 in this passage in the Passion says, Can't you see how his, Abraham's, action cooperated with his faith? And by his action, faith found its full expression. I wonder, in our lives, is faith finding its full expression? Is there something I, you, are holding back? Is there something that's holding you back from trusting, from obeying, from demonstrating that saving faith that you have? When we engage in activities that build, grow and deepen our faith, it's not just an internal change, a transformation of our mind only. The way that we outwork our faith and salvation changes too. So, for example, um, I, uh, I grew up in church. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, I, I made a commitment at the age of 12, but it was when I was 15 but I was baptised with the Holy Spirit um, and God healed my uh, dodgy knees, which I was <laughs> amazingly thankful to him for. And he put in me at that point, through his spirit, uh, a peace and a joy um, that has never left, left me. Um, and from that time onwards, I used to walk my uh, incredibly long four-minute walk to secondary school <laughs> and I would pray. I would pray for um, for my school. I was at Mayflower. Um, and I think I did that because I was taught that we should pray for our people in leadership over us, pray for those in authority over us. I don't think I did that out of a love for my school <laughs> at the age of 15. I don't know how many people do have a love. But I would pray every day as I walked, God, bless this school. Jesus, be Lord of this school. And I just did that because that's just what you did. I did that out of obedience. I didn't think any more of that. When I, I, I had a love in my heart already for young people and for um, telling people about Jesus. Um, and I, I, did, I worked with our church doing youth work for some gap years. And as part of that, I did school work. So I went back into my school <laughs> straight away at the age of 18, and started telling people about Jesus. And that continued. Schools Ministry Billericay, that was already in existence, uh, needed an extra worker, and, and that was me. I became the extra worker at the age of 20. Now, is that, when we think about it, actually a surprise? That from the age of 15, I walked into that school and I prayed, Jesus be Lord. And that, for me, was just something that I prayed. But in the bigger scheme of what goes on and what God does and the way that he works, that was my faith outworking into something more, something bigger. And since that moment, I have had the privilege of walking into that school and all the schools in Villariki and praying, 
Jesus be Lord. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how many years it, it took for me to make that link between the two. That The prayer <laughs> that started off as that little seed then turns into something bigger. And I think that's an encouragement for you all, for those prayers that you say, for your neighbours, for your community, for your family, for your grandchildren. That is not lost. That is not lost. They are all seeds. And God does the watering, does he? When we put our faith, and we were obedient to the things that he said, when we put our faith, he takes that and does something bigger. So we see that faith and works are best friends. They're inseparable, really, (laughs) like I'm sure you were with your best friends at school. We can't have one without the other. We can't have true saving faith without it coming out of us, outworking, prompting us to act. Faith finding its full expression in works. For James, works are to faith what the spirit is to the body. We see that in our last key verse, verse 26. For the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. The spirit is the life force of the body. Faith is the life force of our works. And to finish, that reminds me a little bit of uh, John 15. You know, we have the I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. Remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's this faith and works are bonded, aren't they? Like the vine and the branches. Like Jesus and me are bonded. Apart from him, I can do nothing. Remain in him and I am fruitful. Keep my obedience and trust in him and my faith finds its full expression in good works okay shall we pray our wonderful loving God just thank you that you are so for us and the the seed of faith that we, we all have is a gift from you and we thank you for faith. And Father, where I can trust more, hand over more to you, be more obedient, I lay that before you, Father. I open my hands and I say, everything I have is yours. I put my life in your hands. Help me to obey more, trust more. And God, for myself and for my brothers and sisters here, if they agree, would you outwork my faith in a way that brings people to salvation in you? Would you shine out of me? Would you take the seeds that I give you and do mighty things? Not so that I may be praised, but so that you may be praised, so that lives may be transformed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everyone.